You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. What does it mean to put our hope in a God we can't see? What does it mean to walk the walk of faith? This is our sermon series, Water and Blood, Finding Rest in Jesus, Our High Priest. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 17. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be established by grace, and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. We have an altar from which those who worship at the tabernacle do not have a right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the gate, so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. God is great. Can I just say that? God is great. So good. Amen. Amen. I never done that before. I never did like the amen with the response of the amen before. That was a first. Amen. Oh, <laughs> it works. Uh, let, 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 let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, you are so good. You're so good. God, I thank you for freedom. <laughs> thank you for freedom. Freedom to fall and fail because of grace. I thank you for Jesus. God, I want to worship you today, and I pray that you would be worshiped. Holy Spirit, bear witness to the Son. Use these two pieces of fish to feed your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My sweet mom, when I was uh, in the fourth grade, yeah, fourth grade, she, she moved me to, to a school that was 30 minutes away from my house when, when there was a school that was literally five minutes walking distance for, for, from my house. And if you asked her why she moved me like this, it's because I was learning lessons uh, in school that the teachers were not teaching. Okay? And um, I, I knew as an eight-year-old that there's only three types of people in, in elementary school. There are bullies, there's uh, the bullied, and, and then there's the invisible, all right? And, and I wasn't invisible, especially to like our, our neighborhood bully, and his name is Sammy, all right? 
Now, um, I crossed paths with, 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 with Sammy, and I had a, a decision to make. Like, who, who am I going to be? Who am I going to become? The bully or the bullied? And um, you also may be thinking something about, like, telling teachers when kids are bullied, and you probably weren't bullied before because you, you don't understand that uh, adding snitching to your list of offenses against a bully just makes everything worse. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had two choices. Basically, I could be the hurting or I could become a henchman. And so I became the henchman. I chose safety, okay? Um, but that led to me fighting kids. I got into, I was in internal suspension a lot. You, you guys know what internal suspension is? Doesn't that just sound terrible? But I chose safety. But choosing this type of security to choose to be accepted by Sammy meant I had to submit to Sammy's way. And so I was getting in a lot of trouble living a life contrary to the one I was supposed to be living. I wanted so badly to protect my life. And and the Bible says, don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Fear the one who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. And this might be too, too intense of a verse for an eight-year-old to memorize, right? But in the desire to save my life, I had mistaken acceptance by Sammy for true security. Have you ever feared the one who can kill the body and not the soul? Can I contextualize kill the body for, for our culture? Have you ever feared those who won't think you are good enough or talk about your failures to their friends? Feared the one who would refuse to love you and accept you? The one who might think that you are unqualified or incompetent? Fearing how those might, those people might perceive you, what they may think about you? When you desire to save your life or your perception, where is it that you seek safety? I'm thinking that like me, we might seek acceptance by people instead of security in Christ. The church that the writer of Hebrews is writing to was suffering because their beliefs were unacceptable to society. Since the Jewish religion was accepted by the people, they they had a choice to make. They They could lessen some of the social pressure if they just identify with the community of Israel. In the face of persecution, they they were tempted to choose acceptance by people instead of security in Christ. My main point today is this. We are secured by God's grace, so embrace disgrace. We are secured by God's grace, so embrace disgrace. There's three movements we have today, and then we'll move to an application. I'm going to start with one. Imitate true faith. Verse 7, remember the leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. These leaders were probably former church leaders who, who, who have died, and they, they spoke the word to them. They, they preached to them. And he says, look at the outcome of their life. Imitate their faith. 
Faith can only be imitated if it can be seen and not just articulated. These leaders believed the word, they preached the word, and they lived the word. Faith is uniquely connected to how you live. Like what you truly believe in your heart is what you would, would live out. And I think what we do is we tend to carefully observe people that are really poor models, who model what it looks like to live the good life, their own version of, of security and salvation. And then we, we, we might be tempted to imitate them. But the encouragement is to think about people who cared about Jesus more than they cared about their own lives more than they cared about being accepted by people or, or bowing down to their enemies. For example, there's a story of a, of a young woman. She's told by her family and community that it's unsafe to, to leave her hometown. To pursue safety for her was to remain in her village and to pursue significance because she was in the royal line. And instead of trying to please people and protect her own life, she believed that her mission was not to be accepted by people and seek security, but to embrace disgrace for the sake of seeing her community saved. And so her and a big shirtless guy with moving tattoos, right, you guys, y'all never seen Moana in Maui? <laughs> right? They went, they went on a mission, risking her life. Consider the outcome of their lives. The island was saved. What can I say except you're welcome? The writer says that these leaders spoke the word. Now imitate that type of faith, a Moana faith. Don't go out and tweet that, please. <laughs> then he says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's saying there's a particular type of faith, right? This faith believes in, in Jesus, who, who is the same forever, the same Jesus that these leaders believed in, this guy. Imitate that faith. We, we we don't just need to trust in the work of Jesus, but we can trust in the person of Jesus. When you're looking for security, there's a person who loves you and cares about you, who is saying, hey, you can, you can run to me. I will give you everything that you need. Stop, stop working for everything that you need and, and allow me to love you. Jesus says, hey, every evil that you face, even from the outside world, will ultimately be for your good. And we, even when we look at Jesus' example, yes, he experienced danger. And yes, he died. But that's not the worst danger you can face. This one, he rose from the dead. And now he's saying, hey, everything that you now face for the sake of the gospel, everything you face from the outside world, even if you die, trust me. And I will raise you from the dead too. We can trust in this person 
of Jesus. Point number two, acceptance and grace. In verse 9, he says, Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for your heart to be established by grace, not food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited from them. Don't be led astray. This word here just means to be like swept away by the wind. Saying, don't, don't get taken out. Instead, you need to be established by grace, like held firm and secure. But instead of trusting Christ for security, the people that the writer is writing to, they were tempted to turn back to their old schemes of safety or or to turn to the people's schemes of safety. But if you're going to be accepted by people, then you have to accept their gods their way. Don't be led astray by, by various kinds of strange teachings. It's weird that he would say that, it's, it's strange that he would say that this is strange, right? Because um, the, these old teachings, they, they're very familiar with them, right? Like most of these people are Jewish Christians. They, they would have understood the, the, these teachings, but they're strange because they don't align with the gospel. The content of their strange teachings says, hey, if you establish your heart, to establish your, your heart, your, yourself, is by observing these rules and laws. The heart represents the whole self, your, your whole you. And, and in our society, we have trouble like thinking about what a self is. We, we kind of think our, ourselves is, is like a summary of everything we, we've done and accomplished sometimes. Does it feel like sometimes like, like there's a proje- projection of an image of you and every time you do something great, like you level up? Yeah. And when someone threatens that image, you feel it in your body? You ever felt that? Like some, someone, someone's challenging the perception of you even and you feel like your whole, your, your life is in danger, Right? But what your soul needs is grace. Don't trust what you do by your own hands to make you feel secure. Don't trust people to make you feel secure. Because to find security through acceptance means accepting their schemes of security, pursuing their gods their way. So the people that they were tempted to follow, they were, they were observing all these, lo- these laws. They were devoted to this, um, this, this Old Testament law to, to establish themselves. But it says they didn't even benefit from it. Like it served them no good. It didn't establish them at all. What do you think is our strange teaching in our culture? Like who is our God and how is it that we, we become secure? Whatever the answer is, it's, it's not strange to us at all. The God of our culture says, you want security? You, you want to be accepted by people? You want to be established? You want to be safe? Then become acceptable 
as a matter of fact, become exceptional. Get approval, get ahead, experience glory, satisfy your desires, be significant, be great, be unique, be competent, be special. Be who other people want you to be. Be who other people want to be. This is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. The only way to God is through what you do. The world teaches that our hearts are are established by performance. You are who you prove you are. And the crazy thing is that we know this doesn't benefit us. We know it because nobody feels secure. Nobody. The most accomplished people in the world, the most accepted people in the world still deal with their deep insecurities. They feel like all over the place, like they have to do something else to to root them somewhere. They, they, They are shaken and thrown, tossed back and forth. But what establishes the heart is grace. But as Christians, sometimes we can even look right up to God as if he engages with us the same way that we are attempted to, we are tempted to engage with the world, right? Like, God, what can I do to show you that I love you? God, show me evidence that you love me. But the writer of Hebrews says to Christians, we have an altar that those who worship at the tabernacle, they they don't have a right to. There's an altar over here, a cross right here. And you can get something here that you can't get anywhere else because right here, that cross right there with Jesus hanging up on it, right there is grace. Those other altars won't establish you. You don't have to work for this. This is unmerited. This is free. Why do you think we have to prove we are worth something to be valuable enough for God to love us and keep us? Christina and I, we bought a house about a year ago, and I, and I was looking, look, looking on on Zillow about, about that time, and I see a house for like $200,000, but like, you just scroll down the page, and I'm like, wait, somebody bought this house four months ago for $150,000. Why am I paying $200,000 for a $150,000 house? My real estate agent, she's like, actually, the house is worth $200,000. Like, the house is worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. The, the market determines how much the house is worth. I'm like, but the house is still the house. (laughs) And sometimes we we treat our our souls like homes on a market. How much am I worth? Let me pull up the comps. What do these other people think about me? What, What can I do to raise my value? But your house isn't on the market. Stop 
being concerned with evaluation. With This is a strange teaching. You have been given grace. The truth is that God will establish you. And Jesus is the same yesterday as he is today as he will forever be. Why would his perception of you change? Trust him to protect your true self, even if the perception of you by other people changes. He says in Matthew 10, aren't aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs on your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You are worth more than many sparrows. There are some internal documents somewhere that says just how much you're worth. But there's like a stamp on it that says more than anybody can afford. But somebody came through and he purchased you by his blood. Christ isn't just Lord, he's landlord. And he says, this, this is mine. And, and, and you don't have to worry about the value out there because I'm, I'm not selling you. I'm not giving you away. You aren't on the market. That's a picture of grace. If you place your faith in Jesus and desire more the promises of this true God. then you can have grace. So don't submit to the fear of losing your life or the perception of your life to the, to the outside world, but hold on to Jesus. Go to, to that altar where you can have grace. Grace and disgrace, point three. The author moves forward. He talks about how, how the high priest would um, atone for sin and he would, he would uh, slay this animal. And um, he would take the carcass of the animal and burn it outside, outside the camp. And in verse 12, the writer says, Therefore Jesus also suffered outside the gate, so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace." For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one that is to come. Jesus really did die outside the gate. He died outside of Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, um, outside the camp was everything that was unclean, right? So if somebody had leprosy, they'd have to be outside, outside the camp. If, um, if somebody had to be stoned for something, that would, happen, that would happen outside the camp. Outside the camp was to be separated, separated from the people. And Jesus died outside the camp because he was making himself unclean for us. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. Jesus died outside the camp because he wasn't trying to be acceptable to people. He was trying to make people acceptable to God. He was the sacrifice that sanctified us. 
He's saying, hey, with this one sacrifice, you can enter into the Lord's presence forever. And and that's on me, not you. That's grace. It's by his sacrifice that we can be secure. And he cleanses us with that sacrifice. He, He sets us apart. He makes us holy. This means that he has made you pleasing to God. He has already made, in the past tense, you pleasing to God. And if you do something jacked up and crazy like I do all the time, you are still pleasing to God. And I'm like, God, that's, that's kind of crazy. But that's grace. And I get all nervous because I start talking about grace, and then I get concerned that, like, well, won't people do, like, wild things all the time? Too much grace, Jason. But another beauty of grace is that it empowers you to honor God. And in that, we are established, secure. And he says, then let us go. Let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. Right? Like, Jesus is out there. He's not trying to be here, fitting in with everybody. He's, he's out there. Go to him. But, but that requires us forsaking all the things we're trying to earn with our own hands. That requires us being willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel bearing his disgrace. That, that requires us running away from the lives that we are trying to live and be secure in and want, run to live to glorify God himself. And that's scary because that means I have to trust him to protect me. Trust him to protect you. The world has a strange faith. You don't need to strive for their love. Yeah, people might not like you. Like the Bible actually says, no servant is greater than his master. Right? They hated him. They'll hate you too. So you don't have to strive for people's love. It's so funny because it's like, I'm saying this, right? I'm thinking about this. By the way, I am not up here like I don't need this. Okay? I just want to let y'all know. Somebody's really happy that I'm broken. <laughs> Amen. I feel you. It's funny. I'm like, hey, you know, we don't have to strive for their love. And I'm thinking about like, in my life, it's not, it's not so much that I'm striving to be loved by people. Um, but it's like there's ghosts of people who, who just like follow me around, pointing out things that I'm doing wrong. And it's like I shouldn't, I shouldn't strive to please that ghost neither. But I'm running to Jesus. I'm running to Jesus. And whatever I got to give up, it's going to be gave up. Run to Jesus. Because in him there's grace. And and the Bible says something like this. 
He doesn't deal with you according to your sins or repay you according to your iniquity. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from him. As a father shows compassion to his children. As a father shows compassion to his children. A lot of us didn't have great fathers. But imagine a great father. Imagine the greatest one. And as he showed compassion to his children, so the father shows compassion to us who fear him. And then this is my favorite line uh, of this passage. Because he knows our frame. He knows how jacked up we are. He remembers that we are dust. He didn't forget that you were jacked up. That's grace you can't get anywhere else. Actually, it's the only place you can get grace, period. In the world, there is no grace. Right? If you messed up 15 years ago, I hope it's not on Facebook. Right? Because you'll, you'll be canceled, not forgiven. It's good that your heart is established by grace. And that does something in us. We, we believe in Christ dying for us, raising from the dead. And yes, he forgives us our sin, but he sends his spirit to live inside of us. And now we still work, but we work with a different goal in mind. We're not working to earn something. Now we can work as worship. Verse 15, therefore through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. No, don't neglect to do what is good and to share for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls. This is our application. Stop working and start worshiping. I want to be clear. I don't mean don't do nothing. What I mean is do it with a motivation to worship. Do all the things. Do it with a motivation to worship, not to earn, not to please people, but out of a heart that, wa that wants to please God. I also want to uh, give the opportunity for repentance because it's real easy to, to just chase after people's approval, to fear men more than we fear God, to protect our lives or our image. Repent, confess, determine to trust Jesus. Ask for faith to believe his word. He says, you can worship because Christ has made you pleasing to God. He's made you holy. Like you are holy. Now everything that comes from you, now it is pleasing to God. He says, do good. 
Praise him. Don't stop sharing and fellowshipping with people. He is pleased by those things. He's pleased by your worship. I was thinking of um, NBA Jam. A, a few, yeah, a couple people get it. You don't know what NBA Jam is? All right. Like 1993, there's a video game that came out. It's called NBA Jam. Now, it's just a basketball game. It's like full court, but it's two on two. It's weird, right? But um, you, you, shoot, you shoot your shots, and, and after you make a couple shots, the announcer on the game says, he's on fire. And now every time you get the ball, the ball is on fire. And now every time you shoot, it goes in. No matter how poorly you shoot. That's what it's like to receive grace. Bear with me. <laughs> you just seek to worship, and it's good. No matter how poorly you shoot. Just seek to worship. He is pleased because of Christ. Not because of something you earned. Isn't God good? God is so good, it's worth standing up for the gospel. God is so good, it's worth giving the world back its religion. You are secured by grace. And when we think about the, 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 the cross of Jesus, there's a response that wells up in us. And, and it says here, continually give God a sacrifice of praise. Can I just worship God for a moment? God is good, ain't he? Isn't he greater than anything we can imagine? Doesn't he love us even when we fall short? Doesn't he say, hey, I got grace for when you fail. I have grace for when you get it right, but you got it right because of grace. He says, my grace doesn't run out. My grace keeps going and going and going. I don't care what they think of you because when I look at you, I see someone who's loved. When I look at you, I see perfection. When I look at you, I see my son. And I don't stop seeing him. Hold on. Hold on to him. Man, people's perception of you is going to go up and down, up and down. And you'll feel like you're being tugged back and forth. But Christ got up out of the grave and he's not going back. Go to him. Go to him. From the Father's perspective, come to me. Come to me, all who are, who are, who are weary and heavy laden. I need some rest, y'all. For real. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Soldier in Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, 
and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.